0: Coming up, the Wellington Phoenix announced that Ufi will depart at the end of the season. We discussed that. We also discussed Melbourne victory and their season uh, ending after Sydney FC beat Perth Glory yesterday. Another result, which we also discussed on this pod. So plenty to get through in the A-League men's space, and that's coming up right after this. Welcome back to another episode of the Front Page Football Podcast, and tonight we've got uh, actually quite a big uh, pod um, planned, but it's going to be bite-sized as it usually is, probably around 15 minutes. Only two parts. First part: Matt Olson uh, is joining me to discuss. Now we are aware uh, we're recording this late on a Sunday night, and we are aware that Melbourne City have just been crowned premiers, and there's been some other big results today which has happened in terms of the top six. But we are going to start by talking about Uffi Tale and his departure from the Wellington Phoenix at the end of the season because it is a big story happening in the A-League at the moment. It's actually something that, Matt, you and me and, and actually probably a couple of our other contributors have kind of been just kind of flagging in, in recent weeks and then that news kind of finally dropped on, on Friday. Uh, first of all, how are you? And, uh, yeah, just kind of maybe just give us a brief kind of spiel on on your take on the tele stuff.
1: Yeah, um, look, I, uh, I think... <laughs> It's a it's a it's a weird one, isn't it? Um, because we we'd spoken about this for a while, um, and it t- tends to be the trend with with A League teams where they they announce this stuff pretty early by the end of the season, with 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 managers in particular. But this one is just so intriguing because it was it ha- it had been boiling for a while, but we we still aren't necessarily sure if Wolfie Talley is going overseas or if he's going to another A-league club or if he's sort of staying involved and i think the nature of that happening with what what is now two games left um even though you know Phoenix Phoenix had a game today so technically three mm-hmm. i still think that it is it is so fascinating in that in that you know we we knew it was going to happen but we're no closer to finding out what where this is going you know yeah. what i mean so yeah. well
0: what so uh, yeah so uh, i think it's i think it's kind of known at this point that Daoufi Tale is trying to get a job overseas um mm. for sure and, and has he
1: has he secured one
0: no and that's and that's my my point i'm about to bring up is that this is a kind of worrying period for him a little bit because yeah okay you know you, you're departing the Knicks and stuff and you're departing that security though in a way for for a you know now a a place that's uncertain where you're not sure you know are you, are you gonna get a job? I, I don't know. Uh, are we 100 percent certain with that? And it's funny because we go back to like a few weeks ago when remember when the the to, to the All Whites job links were happening and stuff, and and you were like trying kind to of saying like this is huge for Wellington, um, and yes. this could be massive, and if he does both roles, and now it's like ah, um, you know that they're, they're well, kind hold
1: of. On. Well, I still think that my verdict on that was correct.
0: Because, oh no, no no no, no I'm not happened? no. Yeah, no, no. I'm not I'm not saying the verdict is wrong. I'm just saying the way that optimism around Wellington now has just suddenly died down. And uh today they had that that two-all result against um Brisbane, where they scored a nice goal there with, with Jan Sass um to take the lead and then and then conceded late on. Um but they've just since this kind of thing has been growing this story a little bit and the links have been growing, they've just got they've just been getting worse and worse. And they're now in a position I look, I think they're still gonna be okay to make finals, and part of me thinks that the reason for that is it's good in a way that they're announcing it now because now the players and him can say, Okay, this is over. You know, we know it's over. And for some of them as well, their Wellington careers will be over as well because they'll be either moving on or, or whatever. Um, and now we can focus on uh with the run in and, and making sure um that that uh yeah, they they secure the final spot. On the other hand, you could also say, Well, if this has been growing for, for this long and it's been kind of lingering around, well, could they have done this a month ago? I don't know. Um is that or is that kind of you know too early? I think I think I want to look at this purely from so I, I yeah from from a
1: club perspective. I literally was banging on about the fact that parity between the Old Whites and the Phoenix could be this all-powering all and encompassing thing. I just want to speak about what's about to happen for New Zealand football and for the Wellington Phoenix in the coming months because because yeah the All Whites situation from a media coverage perspective. And from the actual appointment itself, just that has been a disaster. That has been a disaster from every single angle. And, um, you know, obviously, Orfi finds out that he's not getting that job. And I think this is is the point where he makes the verdict and says, maybe I'm I'm done with the Phoenix. Maybe I can find... You know, like a third division club in Italy, or or something like mm. that, that. that's literally called out to him, which would be crazy. Dude, if, if I'd hope,
0: I'd hope he's aiming higher than that.
1: I, I yeah, I know, I would as well. But I'm just, I'm just giving you a random example. Yeah, yeah, Sorry yeah. if the example didn't hit home enough, Christian.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but but what, right.
1: I, what I wanted to say was this: there are multiple angles with which this is actually borderline disturbing for me. Right. So, if he doesn't get the job. He runs away. New Zealand football have this internal fast around actually making the appointment. They announced John Herdman. John Herdman says, no, I'm sticking with Canada. You guys are Mm. it's not going to happen. And then this mass exodus of players leaves from the Phoenix, starting with all his announcing that he's moving to Perth. The likes of Clayton Lewis that you would have thought was the the, the blood life of that club in many, many Mm. ways. And the Auckland expansion is announced all at once. It tells me one of three things. One, New Zealand football are going to have a not so breezy period to start the sort of 2026 qualification cycle that they were maybe planning for. Um, it tells me that the Phoenix are about to have a really, really difficult period losing all their players and losing the coach. It it, it screams rebuild. It screams a season spent in the sort of bottom rungs of the table. And then yep. you also got the ongoing Auckland expansion. Will Auckland expansion get off true the best start what's going to happen how will the team be organized all these things going on these
0: are all points yeah. i wrote down yeah. <laughs> yeah no but but, yeah.
1: but literally it, 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 like uffi tale he might be doing this for himself he might be doing it to go to a sydney or a melbourne victory we we mm. don't know that yet but the knock on effect this has for new zealand football from every angle and what is currently you know it's one professional franchise it, it like it it is it is harrowingly bad um, things are about to get very, very difficult for professional football in New Zealand. And um I think that that's worth talking about purely and look, look, let's just be clear. The administration with the trying to hire a coach for the all-whites has nothing to do with Ufi Tale and no, he's no. yeah. doing I mean, his choices. Players leaving to sign contracts at other clubs has nothing to do with that. But the fact all of this is happening together, I think uh, it's it's quite it's quite a curious case that Ufi has made mm. the choice that he's made. And that um, that, that club is about to have a very, very difficult period.
0: Yeah. So there was a quote um, from Uffy in his, there was a, yeah, a bit of a statement um, obviously released with with his departure on the the Wellington website. And there was this quote in there, which kind of, it almost felt like he was passing blame. So he said this, he said, it's not just me. We've got players that are coming off contract that are leaving as well and signing with other clubs. Now it's, you could just say, well, it's just a statement. He's just saying, you know, just pointing to the fact that look guys are leaving and stuff but it was almost kind of was it there's two things here it almost felt like he's trying to say well i mean we can't hold on to our players they're leaving so why should i stay there was a little bit of that i maybe felt and look feel free to count it here because this is just me reading in between the lines and implying things like i usually like to do um but then the other part of it was kind of like well like not not shifting blame but kind of just trying to shift the intention away well, you know such as me like you know these guys are leaving as well, you know, and and who knows is that him also maybe hinting are there other guys that we don't know yet who who will be leaving? I think I think there's been some stuff maybe with Stephen yagarkovich as well um, that that he could be on the move, and yeah, it's you know uh, it just seems like it's kind of this this successful era of Wellington, and not not era, but I guess this kind of three year spell where where they've been really good under not three years actually five years. My bad. Yeah, where four of the five years they've and I actually wrote that down. I don't know why I said three years. Four of the five years they've actually made finals, and that's under uh, Marco Rudin and and now Talley. And it just seems like it's all coming coming uh, to an end. And it seems
1: that the entirety of New Zealand football is about to have this really big fundamental shift, right? Because they're they're still about they're still sort of deciding who the the national manager would be, which I think is a disgrace. Yeah. Um, that it's been going on for months and months and months and months and months hmm. and also just like the Auckland expansion on top of this feels like it, that feels un- like unbearably uncomfortable as well and I so what's that, your what's um,
0: your main because I think we t- we touched on this before I think hmm. we're having a discussion around how the Auckland stuff and that news might impact Wellington what's your main like worries from a Wellington point of view when with with, with the Auckland stuff
1: so I think that like, if they have – bear in mind, and, and again, I hope we have listeners in New Zealand who are able to relate emotionally to what I'm talking about. But do you know – you remember sort of the season they had under Daria Kalasic, right? Yeah, you, yeah. That,
0: that, was, that was That yeah. was a disaster, yeah.
1: Yeah, it was. So let's say they they start this rebuild and that's 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 the quality of Wellington team that we're talking about. How on earth is that supposed to get people in New Zealand excited for the expansion of another professional footballing franchise, let alone one that's gonna come in and steal any good talent that's sitting around. If you have, you know, your Oscar Manhattan's and your and your Callan Elliott's and these types of guys mm. sitting around, now being able to be poached by another team, it tells me that both Wellington and Auckland are going to have a very, very difficult period. And what only, you know, a few months ago with Talley potentially overseeing the Knicks and one professional franchise, having this unity that they've been calling out for. For, for. So from that being the prospect to now two professional franchises and no national team boss, it just, it just screams to me that it's about to be a really, really difficult period. So yeah, I, I think they as a franchise are about to go through some really, really, really difficult days. Bearing in mind, you know, the, the rebuild, someone like Chris Greenacre could could come out and be a world-class manager. We we don't know. Like, can, yeah. it could happen. But I think that, yeah, it's you don't often see A-League rebuilds starting in, you know, April of the previous season. <laughs> um, but, you know, this happened when Mark Rudin left as well. If you remember when Rudan left, they played the elimination final against Victory and lost like 4-5-0 or something, right? So he already knew that he was leaving the club and the club just sort of gave up on the spot. It's Phoenix fans do not have to look very far, <laughs> From from the past, to already learn that this kind of thing has happened before, mm. and I, look, maybe I'm being harsh on the likes of, or maybe I'm being not 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 harsh, but favourable to the likes of Brisbane, even to Perth, uh, as an example, where you know when they've had similar situations, their their club has maybe not been as unfortunate with planning for the previous season, throwing the previous season sort of out the window. I mean, Perth technically did do that in twenty one twenty two, basically playing MPL sides. Mm-hmm. I'm going off on a tangent, Christian. You are, you are my, indeed. My my point my point here is, is that it would actually really, really annoy me if I was a Phoenix fan to see how much the the sort of overall picture just looks really, really bleak from every single angle. And um and we don't see that, that often in the A League. So Phoenix fans would have to sit there and say, Well, why is this happening to us? Why is this an us problem? And, um, you know, talley he's not at the heart of all the other issues, but he is still at the heart of that rebuild sort of kicking into action. And for him to come out and say what he said about the players, I honestly think that this is something that's been brewing for a very long time.
0: Yeah, I mean, you'd hope for Wellington if it ends up a case and we're going to talk about some moment maybe with potential kind of replacements they they have mentioned on that on that post when they announced that if he's departing that they are planning to announce their new coach next week let's hope their process for announcing a new coach is uh, a little bit more efficient than than the Whites. um but basically yeah you know could they have a Chris Greenacre situation where like um like Monty kind of came in when when Alan Stajich departed and he and he kind of you know Took over and kind of um, you know just kept the momentum going. Could could Chris Greenacre you know do something similar at Wellington? That's that's potentially on the cards. Um, but you know the other thing um, that that I was thinking uh, with um, yeah with with Talay leaving and stuff is like Wellington's foreign recruitment um, was something that's become you know a real kind of hallmark of his his tenure in particular. And I'm just wondering if. He the parts does an aspect like that where the scouting on a foreign level has been so good and they've been able to post these gems does that kind of go with it as well?
1: I mean, yeah, the broad the broader picture the the answer is the answer is is yeah that there, there could there could be a very very big issue with with the exodus from multiple administrative um sort of perspectives and and the people that are involved, but let's say they they hire from within the club, someone like a Chris Greenacre is a prime example, um, or even someone like Des Buckenham, who I know has been in India, if he, if he comes back, you're going I d- to experience- I doubt that. I doubt that. No, I would, I would doubt it, but it's yeah. just an example. They're just yeah. the two that come to mind because they've been involved in the coaching at that club for a very, very long time. Yeah. Um. You know, if if you get that internal sort of rebuild going... Like with sort of Ruben Zajcovich being caught up from the NPL at Perth Glory, it's you know you're potentially going to get a, a very very high scale of a footballing department and one that can actually rebuild from within to the point where the club doesn't completely fade away. But that doesn't the, the, you know New Zealand football are still having their administrative issues. Auckland expansion is still happening, so the Phoenix are going to need a bit of a miracle from within to to keep their progress ongoing after after Offie leaves.
0: Have you got any? Anyone who springs to mind is like a replacement who actually sounds kind of viable from from the outside because it's actually it's always hard with Wellington to judge this sort of thing because you know you doubt they're going to get anyone from 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 their local league right uh, and then we've got um, you know the other clubs the A League clubs have that have that NPL um, have that NPL. Uh, those NPL leagues, sorry, to to rely on, um, and they can they can kind of poach coaches from there who might be who might be adequate enough, um, or is there a situation here where, like Rudin, like Talley, there's another Aussie coach who thinks Wellington could be a good starting kind of venture for me, to for me to eventually either go overseas or or come back to the mainland and back to you know a club based in New South Wales or Victoria.
1: Um. So if they if they want to go for an Australian recruitment, um Christian, you you would know what I'm about to say here because because it'd be it'd be very stereotypical FPF. Paul Bezos. <laughs> Paul Bezos. Paul Bezos relocating to, to New band. Zealand. There's a club, there's a club screaming your name right now.
0: <laughs> Do it. Oh, that would be unbelievable. Um we'll see if Brisbane might have something to say about that. I don't know though. Uh at this at this stage. True, but they're, um, they're
1: looking for a coach as
0: well. Yeah, well, yeah, I'd be let me just say this, I'd be shocked if Nick Green, look, Nick Green, you know, we've let's let's not get into this too much, but um we've had our, you know, uh opinions about him. But even despite their improved sort of form, I'd be shocked if he stays. But uh with Wellington, um, with Paul Pezos who yeah, look, you could you could take your pick uh with MPL coaches, there's even even someone like now he's he's only just joined melbourne knights you know uh, recently and he's doing quite well but ben Khan is someone who was really successful in queensland and and is doing a decent job at melbourne knights at the moment in victoria who knows if we, i'm just throwing some names out there at the moment from an npl perspective but for wellington i mean it's it's hard because i don't feel just on top of my head i don't feel like there's someone you know who's like that kind of ex league player like i don't know luke wilshire maybe i don't know like, i'm literally just that kind of ex a-League well, veterans Chris,
1: that's that's where that's where Chris Chris Greenacre would come in but yeah. and he has been the assistant for a long time and he has had like four interim stints or something mm. ridiculous like that it's calling his name but whether whether the fact he's always been the interim and never taken the full-time job is because he has never been comfortable to do that mm. what I'd say is the Chris Greenacre of 2015 which I believe was the last time he stepped in to the Chris Greenacre of 2023 you've been working at the Wellington Phoenix
0: yeah.
1: including when you're a player for like fifteen years, mm. so he could do it. He could do it. it. It's it's available for him if he wants it.
0: Yeah, no, no, no for sure. Um, and on Talley, um, how? Because <laughs> we, we've spoken about this. how annoyed would you be if he goes to Sydney FC as a Kroger replacement? Now, bearing in mind, I don't know. Steve Kroger seems to have righted the ship a little bit, or or as a Tony Popovich replacement victory. Although that one seems a little bit maybe more makes sense. Uh, just that, just at face value, but you, you, you seem like you'd be, you'd be annoyed if you went to Sydney.
1: Yeah, I, I would. And I think also with the type of rebuild that Melbourne victory would want, Eve Popovich leaves anyway. I still mm-hmm. think you're worth trying that one out. Yeah. Whereas Karaka, it it's definitely, he's had his time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Look, if, if, if Uffi's going to, to Sydney, just, Give that team an identity that it hasn't had for like what eight years. Just just do something different. I don't I don't care if you're the manager of Sydney FC and you're going back to see a lot of people that you're familiar with and you're going back to your home. I don't, I don't care. I don't care about that. Mm-hmm. It just for me is give the team your own identity. Give it the Alfie Talley era. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's just going to be more of the same. And I don't see that being a Premiership or a Championship team. In no way.
0: Yeah. Well. One way to change Sydney's identity is to not play a four, two, two, two. Um, but yeah, apparently that's just like when you walk in to Sydney FC, it's like on the contract it says you have to play a four, two, two, two. It's actually a clause in the contract.
1: And and, and again, that's where the similarities between Uffie yep. yep. and Steve and Graham Arnold and all these guys comes into it, right? Mm-hmm. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Um the last thing you'd want to see is is any of these New Zealand guys jump over to knowing again knowing the expansion and the fact that Phoenix are about to fall off a cliff. If some of these New Zealand guys start heading to a, a victory or a Sydney, should Uffy join them? That'd be really really intriguing to see as well.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I don't see I don't see Zavada staying um, either. To be honest, if- I'm not talking about. No, no, no. Play, no players no. from New Zealand, you No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm changing the subject now. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and I'm just touching maybe on, <laughs> yeah, on some of their foreigners. Uh, <laughs> um hey, I'm hosting, I'm changing the subject. Um but <laughs> the you know, even someone like Jan Sass, who hasn't really, I know he scored a nice goal today, but he hasn't really kind of you know taken off at all. Um, you know, Sale's been such a huge presence. He's you know, he's he's going to Perth. Um and it's just like, yeah, you know, the 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 heart and soul of the team is kind of being ripped out of itself and you know i guess alex is still there um but you know other, other than that it's just name, kind of name
1: someone no i'm serious yeah name, i we're, we're bouncing around the conversation here, but name someone at the phoenix other than alex roofer who you would consider like a stalwart of the team off the top of your head you couldn't you couldn't tim tim Payne. i don't oh uh, oh potentially, potentially. <laughs> oh, yeah he might he might count as well and he has a White's experience so yeah, even someone like
0: yeah, even someone like Josh Laws, like he could very easily yeah? move Move. Well, he's back.
1: still Australian
0: though. No, but that's what I'm saying. So he could, no, no, sorry, sorry. I'm changing the subject again. <laughs> 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 he, he could move uh, very easily, get snapped up by someone obviously on the mainland, uh, you know, uh, in, in terms of an A-League uh, Australian setup. So, yeah. you know, that's that's a concerning spot there, for example, yeah. I just wanted to touch on um, the Auckland side of things because I found it quite... Um, Funny with like all this news uh, with the, with Tale, uh dropping this week, and then Wellington actually played in Auckland today um, <laughs> against against Brisbane. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: I I think I think you know what though. I, I will give it a pass mark. Two things. One, the and uh, to the best of my understanding, it's going to be an Auckland franchise and not Auckland City. But mm. uh, if the team is playing uh, most of their A-League fixtures in their Determined Heartland. They'll play in where the the New Zealand Knights played in North Harbour. It's a 40-minute trip out of Auckland, so they won't be playing at Eden Park. The Eden Park venue, I don't mind for the Phoenix whilst the Auckland team isn't around um, because it'll still be a really big stadium for the Women's World Cup and they want to feed into that as well. So the fact that they played at Eden Park... Not a problem for me, and of course Eden Park would then be used for your your bigger fixtures for your Auckland franchise as well. But
0: would, would they play uh, the derby there? If um, yeah, would they play the derby at Eden Park? Do you reckon?
1: That's a question I can't answer because I don't know how big that derby will be. My mm. issue is that a lot of people will expect an Auckland team. Now they, they have a saying: "Fickle, fickle Aucklanders." Right? When the when the Blues rugby team was was winning a lot, like when they were the creme de la creme of, of Kiwi rugby people still didn't really show up. And my issue with this is people are going to expect the derby to have a really big effect on attendances in particular. Eden Park is is probably going to be used one for one of the first derbies, but I don't imagine it really being a ground that's used at all. Um, And the only reason why the Phoenix of Resorts are using it occasionally um, is because North Harbour, the games that they have played there haven't been well attended anyway. And it is, I cannot stress this enough, it is a very long way out of the city. So... Mm. You know, I, yeah, I, I don't know. To answer your question, I mean, yeah, but I'm not expecting uh, the team to be well supported or at least as well yeah. supported as some people make it out. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, you can't really answer this at the moment either, but in a way, is, this is a weird question, but is, is Auckland's potential coming into the league actually kind of uh, not, like it could actually help Wellington, in a way from the sense that from the sense that you know they've they've actually got something there that they can you know judge themselves against, and you know there's like a kind of two franchises that can now compete each other for compete with each other for, you know, things like attendances, things like, you know, obviously results, but, you know, and it's kind of like when you have two teams in one city, I mean, we see it with Sydney and the Wanderers. We see it with Melbourne Victory and hold Melbourne on, City. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. They're,
1: not in, they're not in the same city. No, obviously. no, no, no. Sorry. Okay,
0: okay. Yes, let's get all technical. No, but what I'm saying is, obviously, they're, they're going to be viewed in together they're going to be coupled together when when you know we're talking about things right it's it's the same when we talk about you know is sydney sky blue or sydney red and black so in this case it's not going to be okay it's not going to be city right but it's going to be like what you know is new zealand it does it is it belong to auckland right now or does it belong to wellington there's going to be that sort of thing happening because that's what we do in football right so what i'm saying is like we saw kind of when you know, when Wanderers came in, now we had this fucking fantastic, you know, Sydney Derby that we could look forward to all the time, and it was this great fixture, and it would pull in all these. Now, again, we don't know what the attendance is going to look like for this sort of fixture when it happens, but I'm just saying we're looking at it maybe with saying that Auckland coming in could take away quite a bit from the Phoenix, and, and it could be damaging, but there is maybe a world where it could also help them as well, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. There's I think there's two, there's two ways to approach the conversation. I think from the like overall marketing and the and the sort of connection that that so we're considering the 4 million people that live in New Zealand as one catchment right Wellington and New- and Auckland being the- competing together will help the A league yes
0: yeah yeah but yeah.
1: in terms of sort of grassroots engagement and things like that especially with the reformed national league people that live in your Otagos and your Canterbury's will they care Well, I, I don't I don't know and I'm not the most qualified person to talk about it. <laughs> I live on the other fucking side of of you know what do I call it the country, the continent, whatever. You know, you know the, ta- the Tasman
0: is that? No, I don't know.
1: <laughs> no, well, no, we wouldn't use that phrase on the west coast. But I know what I know. What you, I know what you're playing at. Um, my my point my point here is I think that there's probably a few different ways to approach the conversation, and there's a few different ways to look at. Uh, you know, the, the the things that are going on sort of on the pitch, like Uffi Talley departing or what kind of coaches are coming in, will Australian talent benefit from this more? Will Kiwi development, um, you know, be more prosperous with two teams? You'd hope so. Um, but I think that, that the overall marketing helps. The other metrics, it's just, it's too hard to tell right now. Um, but the picture is is very, yeah, it's very unique in that way. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Last Last bit. Um, where do you see Talley end up ending up?
1: Yeah, I I I would if you had like, to put your money on it. Yeah, I would like it to be so I mean to be honest, the overseas stuff, I don't buy it. I don't. Mm-hmm. Um so it's it's between one of two options. I think victory he would be a very, very exciting match for the culture of the club, for how yeah. they want to get their results, the type of football they want to play. If it's Sydney FC. I'm really, really worried about how that, that looks. I think that he's gonna he's going to go back to the Corica kind of style. He's going to sort of say that this is the Sydney way. And I think everyone will lose from that. <laughs> because you're probably gonna look at an Uffi Tale Sydney who are like fourth at best, seventh at worst kind of team. And and they they, you know, before Graham Arnold came in, sometimes you just look at Sydney and just think, well, where is this club actually going? And I, I hope that we don't get some kind of roundabout. Uh, version of of the Sydneys that we've seen, uh, you know, in, in in a bygone era. Even oh, geez, now I'm, I'm going really far back, but like Frank Farina and guys like that. You know, like I think all right, far out. I wasn't expecting Frank Farina's had, name to be mentioned no, 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 on this. No, but the, the, I'm just trying to think of like the names that stood out and what went wrong. When mm-hmm. you had that kind of Sydney FC, where they had the Bling FC tag, but they were never like the top top team, but they were never going to be a team that went down the ladder. A little bit how, a little bit of the the sort of limbo that Adelaide found themselves in before they mm-hmm. uh, inevitably played in the twenty twenty three grand final. Sorry for the spoiler alert, Christian, but <laughs> you know, I'm just I'm worried. I'm worried. Still, about still a that. bit of work to do yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Sorry, but I'm I'm worried about that Sydney, and I'm not excited about that Sydney. So I'd, I I'd want him going to victory. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right, Uh, let's take a break. On the other side, we got uh, more A-League mentor. Okay. Jake Holub uh, joins us now for the second part of the podcast. Um, before we get into it, we should mention, like I mentioned at the top, uh, Melbourne City, uh, crown premiers of the, of the A League men after Adelaide United's one-0 draw, not one-0 draw. When I'm talking about one-0 defeat at home to, uh, Western United, uh, earlier today. So yeah, just thought it's important to mention that. Um, Jake, first of all, how are you? Any comments actually on that? Uh, Melbourne City, uh, being
2: crowned premiers? I'm very well. I had a great Orthodox Easter lunch, I'm very filled up. So, uh, I'm nice and energetic and ready. M- Matt's,
0: actually just enjoying some, some fries from Macca's at the moment. And I actually chowed on some Macca's just before we came on. So.
2: Nope. Not doing anything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, how
1: inconsiderate. In you, you, you refer back to the fact that Jake has now joined us and you didn't ask him how his Easter went.
0: Sorry, because no, because there was such a good opening to mention the Maccas. That that's why it was. It just had to. It, it had, had to, to. It had to. I had to. Now Jake, Jake to.
1: has specified Orthodox Easter. I now feel the need to ask, uh, Jake, why is Orthodox Easter such a special celebration for you?
2: Uh it isn't. It's just like all my family celebrates. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I don't, I don't over- <laughs> have a great for you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right. Uh, let's see. Go.
2: Oh
0: my God. Um. Yeah, but um, yeah, Jake Orthodox lunch. Me and Matt Mackers. So, uh, yeah, Mackers is kind of unofficially sponsoring this podcast somehow. Uh, anyway, moving on. Um, Jake, oh sorry, Jake, did you did you have any thoughts on on Melbourne City and, and the Premiership?
2: Yeah, I I think it's largely just I, I I think you know throughout the season it's kind of been lean to this point. Obviously they'll you know start to drop some points here and there, but you know I, I thought you know even though it was a great game that Central Coast game, even though they got the draw, I think they did well to get the draw in the end. Um. So yeah, no, I, th- I think I think it was a it was a good result for them. You know, there's, there's still a lot of questions to be asked, but I think they've picked it up a little bit, you know, and uh mm-hmm. you know, getting some players back in, you know, before finals, Van de Ven's coming back pretty soon, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they can, you know, lead into this final series.
0: Yeah, all right. Let's um yeah, just wanted to briefly uh just just mention that. Let's move on. Uh Jake, main reason why you're here, um and we'll talk a bit more about Sydney and Perth and that game, which happened earlier today as well. Uh later, uh Sydney winning that one for one. But uh, Melbourne Victory, their season is over. Um, yes, after after kind of the, the the remnants were were kind of sticking around these last few weeks, but uh then they decided to just throw it away uh last night against uh the Wanderers. Um and I'm not gonna sugarcoat this. This is just another kind of dumb Melbourne victory loss, um, to be honest. Basically, if you if you hadn't watched it, uh, there were two moments in this game which just kind of summed up how the season has kind of gone for Melbourne Victory. First goal, Cadete just just it just gives the ball away inexplicably. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, I don't even know if he had any awareness of what was around him, and he just kind of passes the ball uh, away. Uh, and eventually, the Wanderers just kind of work it, and then Brenda bello scores, um, and then. Brandon Brello was also on the receiving end of probably one of the most stupid uh tackles I've seen uh this season from Roderick Miranda. Um probably what was more funny about this was he makes a tackle and he gets up and Roderick Miranda's doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Jake's Jake's signaling it to me right now. He's signaling a dive with his hands. Um and it's it's right there. You can go check out the hearts. It's it's, it's quite funny. Um and then the replay show it's like, mate, you've clearly not just connected with studs, but you just chopped this guy down on halfway no, with no threat to your goal whatsoever and just thrown the game away. Uh, and it was also quite ironic that he's doing that whilst Marcelo's actually up in the stance, uh serving suspension. So it's like he felt I've got to kind of bring in the inner Portuguese, Brazilian, uh, you know, sh- uh stupid tackles, dark arts, uh into, into this game in place. But uh Jay, you, you yeah. Uh that was just 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 some stupid 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 stuff from uh from Melbourne Victory.
2: Yeah, I think like you said, great representation of the season for us. Just we 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 had a moment of luck when Lawrence Thomas, who's been fantastic all year, you know, largely gifted to play a goal, one-one. We go up, we're like, okay, you know, maybe maybe you know, the victory can get back into this game here. And then all of a sudden, you know, we, we, we see a, just, I don't even know what he was thinking Then but Roderick you know, the You know, he's, he's, left that leg trailing there, catches him. And, you know, like it's, it's just, just stupid moment. Like it's, what else can you say? It's brainless after going up one, one, it was a great chance for the victory to bounce back and to pinch you know, give themselves a chance to make the finals, you know, give themselves a last laugh, you know, but you know, it's, that happens. They go down to ten men. You know this is a victory side that's already struggling to create chances, and then we have to, you know, victory have to bring off Ra- uh, Romero for Chapman. Go defensive to make sure you don't concede more and more. And you know they go on to score. Bre- uh, Brandon Barela with a beautiful ball through for Leoni. You know mm. I can go on all day about Brandon Barela and how good he's been this year, but it's it's inexplicable from Randa there. And you know going back on what you said with Cadet, it's just he's had the same problems all year. Just these. Rash decisions. He has you know, great moments of, you know, I think especially he's an athlete. He's a very, very good athlete, but he makes these rash decisions and cost, cost, victory the game, you know, largely, you know, you know those those silly decisions and, you know, that the, the, they reap the cost. And now it's heading to these last two games against MacArthur and Brisbane Raw. It's it's going to be two important games for the victory to not finish bottom. Um, I think it was the 20, 2021 season. That was the, the last season they finished. So I think it's try not to repeat that for the victory at this point.
0: Yeah, well I I never believed um Victory could make finals, um, and I've and I haven't believed that for, for quite a while. But when you know you saw that Sydney were playing Perth and you thought, okay, well, if that maybe ends in a draw and victory have got um you know, two very winnable games with MacArthur and Raw, though, you know, as we mentioned earlier, uh, with Matt, that, that Brisbane have been much improved of late. But, you know, they're both at home. They're both, you know, yeah, they can get up for it and they could get six from six. And yeah, just to just to throw it away like that was 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 pretty, pretty poor. Um Matt, what what are you noticing? Because the, the the thing that I can't really get my head around though with this is and we we've spoken about victory many times already. We've spoken about how they've just kind of like, you know, gone all in Again, and it's just a disaster, again, Uh, for now this is what, the third time in four seasons, right? Um, And it's, but what is weird for me around this time around is that they've got a guy like Tony Popovich at the helm. And it's just, I don't understand how a Tony Popovich coach side can make this many basic errors and throw this many games away.
1: So um, I just want to start by acknowledging the fact that you just referred to simulation as a dark arts. Uh, shout out all the Harry Potter fans out there because that was fantastic. The way that you 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 just had to go there. Love it. Um, but no. Wait, wait. He, when
0: when did I do that? I'm I'm literally trying to remember what I said. Who
1: cares? Who cares? Okay. Move on. Acknowledge the joke. Okay. Me, Joe, move okay. On. Right. Cool. Good. <laughs> cool. Um, no, but look, if you want to get serious about it, I mean. I fundamentally understand Tony Popovich and where he's come from in his in his management career, right? He he probably really around the time of the Champions League victory thought that he could reach those elite levels. And because of the contacts that he's had around his playing career, I mean, you remember as early as 2014, there were rumors about him going to Crystal Palace and things like that. Like he mm. he definitely has told himself at one point or another that he is pretty invincible as a manager, right? And this is why the whole, the whole Greece situation came up. And, I mean, we don't need to talk about Bill Pappas and all the, all the dodgy stuff that went on with Xanthi and, and the fact that he thought he was going to have an Australian broad upside. Sorry,
0: sorry. This is just what happens when Matt comes on the podcast. Now, all of a sudden, we're, like, getting into Xanthi areas.
1: We are. We are for a very specific reason, though. because no, no yeah, to, yeah. to fundamentally understand how Tony Popovich has come to this point, there is, there is a 10 years of context here. Uh, actually, you know, there's about 11 now. Uh, you know, you you really have to understand that the formation of the Wanderers, his successes there, even some of the failures that they had uh, in those kind of early days. It wasn't all you know this really elite team that was was being carried on. He really brought up to to think of himself as as a man that could fix any club and fix any situation and be good enough to be a, an elite manager in Europe. This is a situation that went on for for very many years until he pulled the plug and left for Turkey the first time, and ended up being a disaster. Happened again mm. with Santhi. He left Perth and ended up being, you know, quite a a disaster, right? So there's just just all these signs where Tony Popovich has had to bring himself down to earth, and I'm wondering how much it's fundamentally changed the way that he approaches managing at the A-League level. Is he starting to have doubts? Is he starting to realise that he's not the sort of... You know, football god that he thought he was. But only and last but mean, last I mean, only last that,
0: season they were a game away from the grand final. I mean, There is okay. Again,
1: there is some context here because okay. because it's what it's what I referred to at Perth as second season blues. There is a reason why nineteen twenty. Yeah, they made the semi-finals. They still had an incredible campaign, but there is a reason why nineteen twenty fundamentally shaped out the way it did. Perth Glory didn't win for like the first five or six games. Right. And so what you have is you have this really one six one good, successful season. He comes into the club, he changes the culture around, he gets that boys club mentality of having all his favorite players around, the likes of Nick D'Agostino that followed him and and, and people like that. And he and he gets them playing his system and he fundamentally turns Melbourne Victory into this really good side once. And then the double over is really hard to do. It's hard to fundamentally push yourselves because they already reached that that level where they played in the two-legged semi. They didn't quite get it against Western United. But a lot of players in that dressing room are already thinking, yeah, we've already achieved our goals because we've already brought this club up to where it is. And from Tony Popovich's perspective, you have this ego that's been ongoing for a long time. You have him telling him telling himself that the club has changed that the club is satisfied with where they're at, and it leaves you almost getting a little bit a little bit lax. People in that dressing mm-hmm. room, people at the club, Tony himself—they're all just kind of saying, "Okay, well, we're we we're, we're kind of already at that level. We've brought victory to where they are with their expectations." And it's and it's all this other stuff that's happened in Tony Popovich's life, all this very open stuff that's happened with his management career and his management choices that's led to this being the time where it all kind of falls apart. Now, maybe I'm thinking, maybe I'm getting way too broad with this, but I still think it's true in that his ego left him feeling like he'd already kind of finished the job, that he came there to start with victory, and it led to a lot of belief in that dressing room not being at the elite level it needed to be because they'd already reached that kind of element of satisfaction, and it's why victory fell apart so quickly. Also, some of those players that that uh, you know Tony wanted to keep around, they, they left the club. They they left to go play in Norway and places like that. So, I still think there's a very important element of context that a lot of people aren't reading into right when it comes to Popovich and victory not getting to that level this season.
0: Thoughts on that, Jack?
2: Yeah, I think it was a valid point about especially maybe a bit of an ego he has and a lack of change I've noticed this season. I think a lot of Victory fans have thought that way as well. Uh Victory have really stuck by these players that have been struggling all year. I think we are looking at Economidis, Brillante, Cadet, you know, we, we have these players that have been criticized week in, week out for their poor performances and have largely been untouched. I think last week we saw them get dropped uh for, you know, a couple other players, but We've seen introductions and potential signs of interesting players like Bozanovsky. Will Wilson's, I think, one that really pops my head. He was mm. really impressive. And I don't know where he's gone. Like, I, I noticed he was playing in MPL 3 mm. the other week. Um, we have these players that, you know, Will Wilson can play in that brillante role. He can take on a game and, you know, ha- have this youthful exuberance and bring some excitement to the team. But he opts yet to can, play some you know, of his boys in, almost.
0: Yeah, can I interject just really quickly here? I'm going to ask you now. Is that... A Tony Popovich problem or is that a Melbourne victory problem? Or, or Matt, oh, Matt, you I can know. answer. You, you, seem, you... you seem desperate to answer this. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I know there is one there is one sign and there is one player that we can look at. You don't you don't have to stray that far. Look, combine what Jake is saying, combine the the, the fall-off of these players, combine to what I'm talking about is going on in that dressing room with all this historical context going on with where Tony feels like he's at as a manager. Mm-hmm. Why did Jake Brimmer win the Johnny Warren medal and then fall off the face of the earth? Hmm. Because because that dressing room, they, I've already told themselves that they're satisfied enough with who they are as a team. They don't need the change. Of course you need change. Of course you need that. I, I just find that. Someone like Jake yeah. is a is, is prime example of that. Jake is spot on. Because yeah. all of these players were already kind of pre They They built something there and they didn't want to expand any further on that. It's why the team fell apart.
0: First thing, first thing. When you actually just mentioned Jake Brimmer, I actually, my, I'm, I shit you not, I literally went, holy shit, Jake Brimmer still plays in Melbourne Victory. Like, wow, I actually completely forgot that. And I actually That's what then, talking about. no, 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 I don't know. And then my mind actually also went to, oh my god, remember when that guy was linked with the Socceroos call up <laughs> for like for like a couple of weeks? Um, but but what my thing is, um, and I'm no, I'm totally agreeing with 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 a lot of what you're saying, guys. But what I'm saying is, um, how how can if, if that's what you're perceiving, how can that be true? Like, how can you think as a Melbourne victory player or a Melbourne victory coach that l- losing and actually getting done, by the way, in that second leg against Western in the semi final is like we've reached the peak? Like, that we reached the peak for Melbourne victory is we've, we're champions of Australia.
1: Think, yeah, but again, there's context here. Think about it from an administrative perspective. Mm-hmm. They, had to, they had to sit through the shit show that was Grant Brebner publicly saying on national television, I'm not taking the Melbourne victory job. And then he had to coach them for twenty four games. Mm-hmm. Like, like, come on! They they literally had to build that team up from the bottom, and they did. They did, and that's exactly why. So what? So what making I'm that yeah. Final. Yeah. They've, they've just kind of gone. We've already done part of the job. Let's just go out there and and play our football and be who we are without any change, without any any nuance mm-hmm. to what's going on.
0: So I think what's what's happening here is that maybe this this Popovich era has judged itself against. The failings of the Kurtz Brebner years instead of judging itself as what Melbourne victory should be. Because if it had done that, then potentially, you know, and I know what you're saying, Matt, where you're saying, well, this is kind of a Tony Popovich thing. But I don't, I don't know. It still feels like, you know, like even, even the Wanderers, um, if you want to go way back with with Tony Popovich, like it it wasn't like it was a sharp decline, right? They were still a viable kind of finals team. Um, and like that, yeah, they were on the way down as he kind of, his tenure came to an end, but they were still kind of there and thereabouts. I just, I just look at it very, you know, if you're looking at plain and simple, if you're a victory fan, trying to understand what's going on at that club, what's going on with the team, what's going on in the results this season, you, you can't put two and two together with, like, you wouldn't have the nuance to kind of look at it and be like, well, this is what Tony Popovich's, put, Tony, uh, Tony Popovich's career has been like. You'd just be like, well, hang on a minute. This guy plays soccer. He's won the Asian Champions League. He's got experience. How the hell are we giving away so many of these cheap games? I mean, they they literally got handed a gift, Jake. They got handed a gift by by Lawrence Thomas, the ex keeper as well. Um, who, it was actually really funny. I thought in the Panama commentary, I think it was Andy Harper who said, um, "Chris means, oh great ball across." And I'm kind of thinking, um, no, <laughs> I don't. It's, 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 oh, look, he's put it. He's kind of stood it up and stuff. But I mean, Lawrence Thomas has just punched the ball straight to Nishan for a loop play for a tap in. Um, so and then they get a lifeline, and then it's just like, ah. Uh, you know, just throw it away. I mean that's that for me, that is like the paramount sign of a team that's just going nowhere.
2: I think a really interesting point I noticed is we've only had four draws this year. Compared to all the other teams, that is far less. We've we've had seven wins, four draws, and however many losses now. That's a very interesting point, yeah, because we just seem or victory seemed to get into this yeah state where they just throw away these easy points. There's so many games where there's a clo- it's close, you know, and they just just this one silly error and yeah, it, it's it's hard because I I see what Matt's saying about those points, and I think there's definitely some truth into it. But I think also you've got to consider the the amount of injuries Victor's had as well. Like Brimmer, like we brought before, had a poor start to the year, but he's been out for majority of the season now. Mm. Uh, Nani, yeah, you know, he was the star man. You know, he he had these moments here and there. It was it was still struggling to build all the pieces together. But you 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 at least hope that with a full season of game time, they would have finally you know, eventually yeah. clicked. So I I think there is. There is definitely some criticisms to be made of Popovich with the second season syndrome. Wherever you want to go with that, but yeah. I think there has also been a lot of unluckiness for Victory in many ways. If you look at, for example, XG, all these you know underlying mm-hmm. statistics, Victory should have done much better than they have this season. So I, 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 I agree with what Matt's saying, but I think Victory can also feel very unlucky in other ways. Yeah,
1: there's, there's also there's also internal factors because because uh, uh, Nani from you know from. Purely being in that change room and giving his guidance, and also being being there on a match day to just add that insane amount of experience that he has i think that 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 fundamentally attackingly especially is a very very different team and chris Oconomides doesn't fall off a cliff and you know all these guys all these guys don't necessarily get really down on themselves without that presence because you you go from that to essentially having to call up kids and 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 play a very fundamentally different team and then you get stuff like you know brodyante playing wildly out of position and all this kind of stuff that's going on but i still think that there is a there is a method to the madness with a lot of that right i think that, that there is still, you know, they they still were working their own process. It's just that that process was something that harkens back to what I was saying before. It's a lot of we fundamentally believe that we've already achieved our goals. We fundamentally believe that we're a very good side. That gets affected by it. And then on top of it, you have the Nani injury. You have, you know, a lot a lot more absences in the team. You have someone like Nick D'Agostino get a move to Europe. And and all of a sudden, you know, it just fundamentally changes where they need to be, but do they make that adjustment? And I think no, they don't because of what I'm talking about. So it's it's still a problem, but it definitely made the way that they were playing and the team that they were a lot a lot worse. So a lot of those problems were was sort of um, exacerbated.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and not to mention you know obviously, I mean. Obviously, we, we can factor this in, but of course, victory were, or they had already started the season poorly. That should be noted before the, before the, you know, the, the, the Melbourne Derby incident and, 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 what occurred there. But obviously, when that's kind of happening and then, and, and, you know, what's going off, on off the pitch is just intensifying seemingly by, by the week, you know, then, then that obviously kind of plays a part, um, with the, with the results. But let's, yeah, let's, let's, uh, change course then, um, and look a little bit, uh, yeah, I guess react to, to a result from earlier today uh Sydney FC uh, thrashed Perth 4-1 um at uh at Allianz uh and yeah basically for me anyway and I Sydney last week um against Adelaide for me actually played pretty well uh, and were the better team and I just feel now Lafondra's fit and he's back and I'm not saying they're going to do really make much noise you know come finals time but I do think they're definitely going to make it uh with that result especially dare i say they could even finish fifth uh they now are level and level on points uh, uh with wellington um but yeah they've had a like a yeah this, this a really big result uh i think today but matt let's because uh you know you're very uh, obviously in tune with the perth side of things um you're because we were talking a little bit off air. you're not i guess probably too pleased with the reaction from from this game from a perth perspective potentially
1: you you're you're making me do something that I really don't
0: want. Speak to do. speak freely, my man.
1: Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I just think that because of because of where they've come from and because of how the rebuild started, I, I just I think that people are very unfair on their outlook on on Perth, you know, as a club for for the entire season. And I think that this is the one game. And I mean, seriously, just you know, get 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 the fixture list out. Look at the amount of times Perth have, have shipped this many goals. It ha- it actually hasn't happened. It hasn't. Mm. So people people in isolation see this team, and people still talk about Perth as a club as though they they've been warden spoon contenders and they're the worst team in the league. You know, week after week after week, and it's just like, do you, do you have eyes? Like seriously, to so to to back to um, Marcus Babbel, do you, do you have eyes? Do you understand the game a bit? <laughs> You you know, like, like, seriously, though, (laughs) what a goaded moment that was. Um, (laughs) Unbelievable. But, but, you know, like, there is a reason that team played so incredibly well um, at home. And it was because, you know, fundamentally what Ruben Zankovic has done is he's, he's built a lot of familiarity around players that he knows and players that he has experience with. Now, are a lot of those Western Australian guys? Yeah, they they actually are. A lot of them are MPL products that have then gone on to play in an under-20s World Cup. The likes of Chris Donnell, the likes of Joseph Ford, who's played a lot of minutes in place of Bert Gilroy, mm-hmm. a lot of those boys in the team. But the issue is you fundamentally have a bunch of guys from Newcastle and parts of Sydney that have inherited this Perth team under the stewardship of Ruben Zadkovich, and then they've had to do the long-haul travel from WA but they're not actually guys from WA who have been exposed to it that often, and I think what's happened there is, and Mustafa Ramini said this to me. Um, you know, Musti M- said that fundamentally, who we are, we're not used to doing the five-hour travel. We're not, we're not used to doing the really, you know, the 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 really sort of the how can I put it, like the the physical routines and things like that that you're getting mm-hmm. into, where you've where you've got to go gym, you've got family commitments, you've got all that going on during the week, and then you're taking these really long long flights out. To places all over Australia, and you know, as someone that is just settling into that environment, as someone that's not used to it, being originally from New South Wales, as a lot of the boys in that team are, it's caught them by surprise, and it's why the away form has been so bad. And when you when you just think about this fundamentally, when you look at who the team are, the fact that they have a six-two and one home record, and then the fact that the away form is so bad, and you apply that logic of thinking, it actually makes sense, and it actually tells me that that mid-table spot of between six seventh eighth it actually is exactly where this club should be when you consider that and it actually fundamentally tells me that they're not a bad football club at all and if they get more exposure in this environment the rebuild will not only become a success but the team will be start to play as well as they can away with more of that exposure as what they do at home but again a a result like this happens and everyone's talking about perth glory like it's richard garcia's npl side that went to the champions league in 20 yeah and that's that's ridiculous yeah it it, it is it's ridiculously unfair
0: yeah, so no, no, when, I- I
1: see, when I see mm. a result like this, you know, having been around that dressing room, having seen a lot of the personalities in that team, and actually, it, it really is quite hurtful and, and quite insulting. But I also understand that Sydney, Sydney didn't exactly play poorly. Like they, they totally deserved mm. the, the, you know, to, to to be sitting in the top six where they are. To probably be booking a ticket for that elimination final in a week's time, they they deserve that because the likes of Joe Lolly and Robert Mack, you know, even even you know, some of the, some of the more local guys that have kind of stood up in the team. I think that yeah, they've kind of been holding on to this stale period, but they've found a way to work in that environment as well, and they've played the they've played the good enough football to really make sure that this team is just good enough. Um, and you know, another thing that you'd have to bear in mind is I think a lot of you guys were kind of saying for a little while on Sydney, if they get into that one off elimination final, they're gonna be smacked. I think if if they have a bit of positive momentum here and they play in that one off game environment, you never know. They could actually be a bit of a sneaky contender. So mm. yeah, I, I think there's a lot of emotions on either side of it, but I think that people just people just really have to shut up and, and stop and stop with their their keyboard <laughs> warrior opinions about, about who this team are because well, i i, I yeah. left i i had to get i had to get off all my group chats i had to literally just turn the game off I, I couldn't because people just don't don't get it they
0: don't yeah no no I, I i totally understand where you're coming from because when you let's like look at the top six the top six the bottom six clubs and if you go through a situation by situation perth actually have the most stable situation out of those bottom six clubs it's true like you go through okay Newcastle. Um, rebuild that's been going on for too long and just has never got off the ground, right? Western United, um, you know, disaster off the pitch. Well, not disaster, but, you know, kind of in progress off the pitch. Don't know what's going on there, but then players want to leave. Foreign players want to leave and you're just kind of unsure what you're going to get week to week. Brisbane, uh, clearly just on this new manager bounce at the moment, which really isn't going to last, and disaster off the pitch. MacArthur, no comment. Melbourne victory, <laughs> um, you know, Melbourne victory, season over, and, you know, we just touched on a bit of a disaster. So, Perth, you can look at it like this, where you can positively frame it as, okay, some young guys have blooded in, they've done some good... Uh, experienced recruitment with guys like Beavers, guys like Amini, uh, even Ryan Williams, this, this, and the other good home form. They've taken it to teams like Melbourne city at home, for example. Um, And they've clearly got a manager who's, I guess, probably seeing eye to eye with the administration of the club. Like that's, that's also one thing, which seemingly at my level is like a baseline. Okay. Tick. Good. Um, You know, you're on the right track, right? So from that perspective, you know, if you're just comparing them against the other bottom six clubs, that for me, they definitely are in the most stable position. Um, and, you know, we just said about victory before, not comparing maybe their season this year to, uh, or not, you know, like it's dangerous for them to compare themselves to like the Brevner Kurtz days. I think for Perth, it's important to have a look at where they were last year on the flip side of that, right? And actually say, well, actually, you know, we're not just a team which is coming out here. And it's like, well, what's the point? Right. We we you know we're still viable. We're still in the we're still in the mix. Um and they still are. They still are. It's gonna be very difficult, of course, but they still are. Um and you know, they, they've had some they've had some big results. And you know, even off the pitch, obviously the whole Macedonia Park thing, we did a piece on it. That was obviously great as well for the club and the community too. So there's 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 definitely a lot more there's there's obviously still a lot of cuz I mean Matt you you mentioned the, the away form that's and that's look that's always going to be an issue for for most perth glory teams right but that is still something which in this rebuild needs to be addressed at some point if perth are going to be a team that kind of takes that next jump but at the moment i think it's not it's not a case of yeah i, I think what matt you're trying to get at is people just saying perth is shit and i think that's that's wrong because i think you have to have a look at also, the context and what situation the team's in, what t- situation the team has been in, and and this team, I mean, last year was completely irrelevant, and and they made themselves relevant, and that's just on a baseline level like that is 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 improvement and progress. So um, yeah, Jake, anything anything you want to add in terms of Perth?
2: Yeah, I think I really want to add on to the point that like I I, I quite closely followed Perth Glory last season. I was the uh, editor for them actually in FIFA. And um, I noticed every other week I'd be creating, you know, two or three new players here because <laughs> they just some random players, you know, from the NPL, they'll be promoted every single game. And it was such an unstable environment. You have, you know, players like Joshua Nasmo, and Tyler Vecchio, you know, all these players come in every single game. Jaden Gorman. Jaden Gorman. That's another kids. one there. Yeah. And, and, yeah. you know, you know
1: um, one thing that I remember coming up was when uh, they played the Cup playoff against Newcastle in Newcastle. And I believe the average age of that team was something ridiculous like 17.6 or 18, you know, point something. And you're talking about all of these additions that were coming up on, on FIFA as well, going on one that started the season with Daniel Sturridge and all that. So, like, yeah. That they,
0: was that, that was a removal from FIFA though, wasn't it? <laughs> I, think, I think
1: so. I thought, <laughs> no, Jake, Jake, I, I actually am surprised that I did. I have only just learned this. It might have helped to have told me that at some point, given I, I spend a bit of time in that dressing room. But, yeah. A lot of those a lot of those boys, they're still pretty talented footballers on their day. They do very, very good things in the in the NPL and WA. But um that's where the team started. We literally had an NPL eleven playing in in the A League from, from sort of Ruben Zakovich being called up and basically calling up all of the boys that, that were his team. So so Jake Jake would know that very, very well, as I I am now familiar with. But also even the likes of of Jacob Dowson. I know Jacob's going home to Newcastle. But someone like him, if he played for another club, and again, I, I don't, you know, as someone that's, that's been in WA my whole life, I don't want to sit there and cry East Coast biased, like we we have a habit of doing in, in AFL and, and other sports like that. But if Jacob Douse was playing for another club, people would love him. People would love his backstory. They would have made an A Leagues all. Hey, that's not fair. David. I love him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. But, but I mean, but I mean, you remember they brought up that stat? Was it in relation to Iren Kunda? And they said, and they said, uh, Nestor Irin Kunda has like something to do with XG or, or the amount of goals that he had actually shipped in, goal involvements it was, and they put the photo of Nestor Kunda doing a backflip, Jacob Dows was top of the list. Jacob Dows <laughs> <Dallas> had more <laughs> in goal involvements than Nestor Kunda did at that point in the season. Hey, well, you
0: should have seen the look I got uh, on the pod the other week when I mentioned that Jacob Dows, well, I, I put forward an argument that Jacob Dows has an equal, if not slightly better left foot than Craig Gubin, and I got death stares galore. Yeah, it's
1: um ridiculous. But- It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, now, it's if
1: he goes home to Newcastle, has a similar season, hopefully <laughs> under Arthur Pappas, I think give Arthur another try. But yeah. if, if he goes home and, and has that impact, I can assure you, I can assure you, given given his injury, given the fact he was crying at training, saying he'll never play football again, all that stuff, mm. getting emotional about it now. But, but you know, they're going to be sitting there front and centre being like, this is Jacob and this is his story. And they just don't, don't care about it because he's playing a five-hour plane flight away. You know what I mean? Like, it's just things like that. It bothers me.
0: Mm. Jake um, I didn't get to hear your um, thoughts on Sydney FC what what are you thinking do you think they can make some noise come finals
2: I think anyone can yeah at the end of the day it is a one-off game Um, and I think Sydney if anything have really shown that you know you you have a 4-0 defeat to the Wanderers and then you have a a game like this year Um, Mm. they've been very inconsistent I think that is because we've seen a lot of reliance on key players like Joe Lolly like Robert Mack these players that can have a brilliant moment like that and you know turn the game even Alfie Lafondro, you know he's, he's came back in there had a great game so I think yeah it just depends on you know factors like you know who's fit who's playing and if they just have a good day so I I personally am thinking no but you never know you never know and and especially if it is a uh sort of New South Wales team they do end up playing there obviously you know a bit of a less trip so you never know but I personally am not super optimistic about this team. I just think they're too inconsistent. They've been way too inconsistent this year. But I'm not going to rule them out, you know. Really. Yeah, yeah. No, nah, I a think Steve Corrigan uh, madness. Yeah, you know, never know.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping they don't do well because I'll have egg on my face for basically saying, you know, Steve Corrigan should 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 jump step. St- jump ship because he's just kind of not capable of getting any more out of the team. Um, So if they kind of end up like making the grand final, then yeah there'll be some serious egg on my face. What I would say for Sydney in terms of their path to maybe get some sort of success out of the season I, d- I think they match up really well against Adelaide. Uh, and we, we've spo- spoken about this where, you know, it's like Adelaide match up well against Melbourne City, uh Melbourne City match up well against the Wanderers. I think Sydney can be the foil for Adelaide. I, that game last week, I mentioned it earlier, where I thought they, they played a lot better. I think the feeling coming out of that for Adelaide was kind of like, you know, we didn't play well at all yeah, but also... You know, like yeah, we'll take the point, sort of, as well. So you know, I think that's a potential good matchup for them if they finish six, and then they end up, you know, uh, meeting meeting Adelaide in the semi-finals. Then yeah, that's 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 possible. Um, but yeah, they're. For them, it's it's about also just keeping guys fit too. Like Lafondro now, okay, he's starting today. You know, he did well, but, you know, make sure he can stay in there, get these next two games in. Rodwell looks like he's finally kind of ready and, and he's going to be good to go. So, so we'll see how it is. It's it kind of really hard to predict with them uh, at, at the moment. So as it stands in terms of the, the top six race, so Wellington and Sydney are both level on points on thirty two and 5th and 6th. Uh, Newcastle with their uh, last-minute winner, an absolute screamer by Brandon O'Neill, beating MacArthur. They're now uh, up to 7th and just three points off Sydney FC. Western with their win today, also on 29 points, level with Newcastle. They're an 8th. Perth uh, dropped to 9th with 28 points. Brisbane in 10th with 26 points. And, uh, MacArthur are pretty much, uh, ruled out of the finals race with that defeat as well. Um, they could somehow, in ridiculous circumstances, finish six, but it ain't happening. So, uh, yeah, they are in 11. So really, it's, for me, it's, it's really between Wellington, Sydney, Newcastle, and Western for two spots, right? Uh, that, that's how I see it now. And that's, and yeah, uh, because because I think Perth and Brisbane pretty much blew any chance they had today. I don't know with Perth, it's only four points, but that it, would it mean is, that. Hold on, yeah, you,
1: you have to bear in mind that if you if you think Western stand a chance with the the some of the results in Portal, they have to go away to Perth around twenty six, and Perth also playing an Adelaide True. side at home, so. To write on Weston and write off Perth doesn't really make any sense.
0: No, 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 true. But Western are also playing Melbourne City next week, and we don't know what type of Melbourne City kind of mentality wise is going to turn up now that they've secured the premiership. Oh, so right. right. Yeah. Do you, do you get the, same vibe,
1: you get the yeah. same vibe with Adelaide now that the premiership battle mm. that didn't exist is now off and the fact that they've lost again, they have to go to Perth next week.
0: True, but that's only three points between that? Adelaide and third and fourth. So, you know, that that's now in jeopardy potentially.
1: Yep. Fair point.
0: Yeah, yeah. So sorry, sorry. I don't mean to, <laughs> you know, uh, shoot down you or anything. But it's just, um, it's still, yeah. It still feels like there's some jeopardy kind of in in certain areas. Um, so yeah, Brisbane for one is 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 uh, yeah. I think I think kind of out of it, and I think it would be pretty. It'd, it'd just be ridiculous for me if, if Brisbane somehow found a way to to make the finals. To be honest,
1: can we can we get Jake to to actually? Because look. The the Nick Green jokes and the hatred and all of that kind of that backstory behind just just don't laugh. I actually want to get because Jake was the one that, that actually kind of said was on the record of saying that you you actually liked a lot of the momentum that was happening at Brisbane and not that you like Nick Green. I don't think anyone likes Nick Green, Jesus. But uh, but you know where where do you think the club are at and would you would you be tempted? I'm just going to ask the question: Would you be tempted to maybe keep Nick around, maybe not as the head coach? But do you think there's momentum there?
2: I did think there was a little bit of initial momentum. If you saw some of the performances they're putting in, it did look a bit better in ways than what we saw from Warren Moon. Would I keep him around? No. Um, he's not qualified. Simple as that. Um, if it's if, great, if great, they, it's somehow <laughs> yeah. like like it's it just simple as that. You know, he he's not Will Still. You know, he's not Will Still. So <laughs> he's not Will
0: Still. Brilliant. <laughs> you know, um,
2: like simple as that. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, like good, good on Nick Green. You know, he's, he's fucking. You know, he's 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 got a great job. You know, that he probably shouldn't have got. But listen, he has he has done well. But again, I think it is a new manager bounce. Mm. I haven't seen any tactical mastermindery, you know, sort mm. of um, plays here. That they've just defended better and they've attacked a little bit better and got a luckier. Like you know, it's simple as that. I think if we're looking at, for example, the game against Melbourne City, where they did end up losing, but they did nothing the whole game and they got a late, you know, pretty BS penalty. Um, and you know, they'll one one just like that. Obviously, you know, 8 uh, O'Neill end up scoring, but. It, that's just how football works. Yeah, you know I mean, like sometimes you just get lucky to some of these results. So I really, really hope that they are able to find someone else. Yeah, obviously, if they can't, you know, because Brisbane are you know in the mud a little bit, they may have to stick around with him. But I, I hope for Brisbane's sake, you know, e- even though, um, you know, as a victory fan myself, you know, it's uh, I probably prefer them to be bad so we don't finish, um, you know, victory we don't finish bottom again. But yeah, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. I, I, I hope for their sake they don't.
0: Two words. Paul Pezos. Anyway, uh let's uh let's wrap it up. <laughs> make sure make sure you follow us on uh, social media, Twitter and Facebook at uh, Twitter and Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at front PG football, Facebook, front page football, also on LinkedIn, TikTok, and the website is uh frontpagefootball.net. Also, uh if you listen to the episode in full in particular, let us know what you thought. Uh give us some feedback. Uh, we're always looking for some some feedback to improve the pods uh for your listening. All right, Matt. Jake, thanks for joining me. Anything, uh, anything either of you want to add? I'll um, take that as a no. <laughs> Maybe Matt,
1: no. I was just going to say um, hashtag Pezos for A League, Phoenix and/or Brisbane. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, Jesus, I'm gonna have a few people probably texting me if they yeah uh, they listen to this. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, okay, that will uh, that will do it for another episode of the Front Page War podcast. Bye for now.